Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios of Relate365.com. And I invite you to go to Relate365.com and download some podcasts there or other materials that will help you in your ministry or your personal life. Just walk with God and enjoy Him. And we're talking with Mike and Elizabeth. And if you didn't hear the last program, please go get it because we're talking about foster care. And in this next half hour or so, we want to talk about what we're doing, the ideas we have of moving forward to try and help and educate people in the future. And how to, you know, hopefully somebody that's listening is interested in what we're doing and they'll contact us and, and become partners with us because we're really developing a team. So, Mike, what, what are we doing here at Silver Birch Ranch, Wolf River Refuge? What, what is the plan? Well, we've got this beautiful property, Wolf River Refuge, ideal for retreats and training. So uh, really, as we go through uh, the foster care system, uh, and I hope, Elizabeth, you can agree to this, but when we, we see a lot of foster parents leaving the foster care, uh, foster care system, especially after the first year, uh, as much as 50% of them are gone. And here we have this crisis out there in society where these kids, um, you know, they need foster care. And uh, so we've developed uh, the Foster Family Connect ministry here at Silver Birch Ranch. So our goal is to bring different aspects of the foster care community together and really be a training mechanism for the local church to be able to step out and support these foster parents. And the church has everything they need that the foster parents are looking for. And the church has it. They have volunteers. They have people that can uh, you know, supply a meal once or twice a week uh, to give them some rest. They have people that can do respite care. They have people that can, they, they, all these people can come behind a foster family and, uh, and just look for a need to fill. And uh, it could be project help around the house. It could be all kinds of different things. And so you sit back and we're wondering then, what an ideal opportunity to serve on behalf of Jesus towards all these foster families that are out there. So then we see that going on. Then here at Silver Birch Ranch, you know, what do we do well? We're, we're, we're a kids camp. I mean, we do right. that very well. So we have opportunities here to bring those kids not only into camping, but also then to, so that they can learn about Christ in the process and, and his claim on their life. Uh, we can deal with the behaviors issues that are going on. We've got programs that we can, we can help them with that. We can train foster parents to understand what the behaviors are and why they do it. Uh, we've got, and that's where Wolf River comes back in again. They can uh, be the retreat center, the training center yeah. that we have for that. So we have an opportunity here at the camp to serve uh, through, uh, through camps. You know, Mike, you're 66 years old, and it's refreshing to hear your excitement about this. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people getting up where they go 66, 67, pushing 70 years old. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, I need to withdraw from, you know, everything and just kind of focus on myself. I, I so appreciate the fact that you're looking at something saying, man, all these years of experience, both in, in the business world and personally, let's use it for something to, to help the world change. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, it's kind of funny because 60% of these kids go back to their biological parents. So here's another opportunity for the, for the church. And get this, I mean, the biological parents are, have probably gone through some very traumatic times themselves, and they need to understand, uh, you know, the training that they can get, understand who Jesus is, the claim he has on their life, to change, that, to change their lives around so they can parent correctly. Yep. So there's another mm -hmm. opportunity for the, for the church 
to work with biological parents. For the church to be the church. That's right. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. You hit it right on the head. Yeah. And uh, who's going to benefit all that? I mean, the, the tagline we have for Foster Family Connect is a family for every child. Yeah. We don't, if it's a biological family, let's make it as healthy as we can. If it's a foster family, let's make that as healthy as we can. And, uh, and then, so we get these tools to use. Yeah, it's what we Christians do. I mean, that's really what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a quick story, because I love stories. Yep. So one day I'm walking in Walmart, and it's not an advertisement for Walmart. I was just walking in Walmart getting something. And um, I, I'm, I'm in a hurry to get some milk. And that's always in the back corner. So I'm walking like a madman trying to get the milk because I want to get out of there. And this, this lady has this, uh, she obviously was in an accident. And she had a, one of those collars on that was kind of stretching her neck a little bit and whatever that's called. And uh, as I'm walking by, I'm just saying hi to people. Hi, hi, hi. You know, I'm walking by and I say hi. And this lady immediately blurts out, don't you work with my kid? And I thought, oops, I got to stop. Why? Because I'm going to get milk. I want to get out of there. I hate shopping. So it's like, <laughs> I want to get out of there. But this lady caught me. So I turned around and I went to her and I said, yeah, I, I think I do. What? Where? You know, who, who is your kid? You know, kind of thing. She told me, oh, yeah, that's from a, a club we worked at in our local church. Okay. So we were working in outreach. And I said, so what's with the collar? You know, I mean, I asked her, what, what's with the collar? I, did you get in a car accident or what happened? She goes, yeah, she told me about an accident she was in. And and I said, wow, I, I, is your husband helping? She goes, I'm not, I'm single. I said, so you don't have any help right now and you've got kids? Yeah. I said, well, what church do you go to? And she looked at me and said, well, I don't. I said, well, you should. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just looked at it right in Walmart. I'm saying, well, you should. Why? Because that's what the church does. Yeah. Right now, if you were in a church, people would be surrounding you and taking care of you. Mm-hmm. But you need to be in one. Right. So I said, well, we have a church you can come to. You know. She was moving from the area, but she was at our church every week from that point on yeah. that she was around. So it was one of those things where it's a Walmart experience. But I think what, what happens is sometimes those of us that have some answers, we shouldn't be shy about saying, well, why don't you get involved with people who will actually help you? Why don't, yeah. why don't you do that? Um, Elizabeth, you're a part of this team that's working on trying to develop this. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts here? What, why are you involved and what is it you're working on? Yeah, I am very excited about what we're doing. Um, currently, I am working on developing a training curriculum um, that can be used to help equip foster parents for the journey that they're on. That's one of the challenges that I encountered when I got involved with foster care was that I just had no idea what I was doing. And foster parenting is not your typical parenting. Um, If you think about these kids as normal kids, you're going to get really frustrated really quick because they are not. And that's not their own fault. Um, If you look at brain scans of foster kids compared to a child in a healthy home, their brain is very different. And that's all because of the trauma that they've experienced. Hmm. And so you can't parent them the same way that you would your own child growing up in a healthy home. And so that was one of the challenges that I had was learning, okay, this is how I know to parent from my own childhood experience. This is how I was parented. How do I change that to help these kids? Um, Because their brains are not wired the same. Um, they live in 
many of them live in a chronic state of fear. And Whoa. so they're, they're operating out of their, so not to get too sciencey, but they're operating out of their amygdala, which is your fight, flight, freeze response, right. um, part of the brain. Is that similar to, to um, what they call traumatic stress syndrome? Yes. Um, it's, yeah. Or is it the same? I mean, I, I, again, we're familiar with that from military people, but yeah. now I'm, we're talking about children. Yeah. So if you talk about like PTSD, yeah. these kids have PTSD at a much higher rate than even our military does. Wow. Um, and that's all because of, of what they've gone through as kids, which is heartbreaking. Can, can I ask you some questions that might be tough for you to answer? Because I'm, okay, I'm speaking as someone who might be ignorant on, do you mean mm-hmm. these kids actually get beat up? Many of them, yes. I mean, they're coming into care for a lot of different reasons. So it's physical abuse, emotional abuse, neglect, um, sexual abuse, all kinds of, of things that they're experiencing, one or more. So when they look at you, mm-hmm. you're an adult. Mm-hmm. They have an idea already what adults do. And if an adult has hurt them, they, yeah. they coil up. Yeah, that ability to trust has been severely damaged. And that's part of what the healing process has to involve is learning to help them to trust again. Yeah. Do they have to get angry about um, the situation they were in? You know, and the reason I say that is because I think when I look at trying to help uh, college kids get healthy, mm-hmm. what I see sometimes is if they've been in a bad situation, they're what I call numb. Mm-hmm. They don't respond to anything yeah. because they're used to shutting down everything they're used to just shutting it down it's kind of like uh, i've had several operations and there's nothing pleasant about laying naked on an operating table you know i mean Mm -hmm. the the very thought of it just cringes me and the only way i ever got through those operations was by going numb you know by saying who cares do whatever you know Mm -hmm. and then kind of closing my eyes and saying please wake me when Mm -hmm. this is all over (laughs) you know i mean that's how i got through surgeries um, I never had a time where I felt it with my parents, never had time. You know, people like me who grow up, I had great parents. Yeah. The idea of a child not feeling safe is totally foreign to my brain mm-hmm. because I never experienced anything close to that in my life. And that's why I think it's valuable that you're talking about it. Um, you're talking about educating people. It, it, does the word um, delusional uh, come up at all because I think we talked about it in the last segment where if I'm a, if I want to go into foster care again I think they come they're happy they're and when it doesn't happen I, I don't last a year because I feel like a failure after a year mm-hmm. and, and like am I really helping even if I'm a failure talk about those feelings a little bit and how you hang in there if you feel like a failure and you give up how tough is that to sort through? I mean, do you sort through that a lot? It is something I've had to, to sort through, yeah, because there are often times when kids leave the home and you wonder, did I do enough? Yeah. Did I do everything I could have? And ultimately, you have to leave that up to God. Um, he's sovereign, and he knows when it's time for the child to go and um, trust that you did what you could while they were with you. But it is a, a huge challenge. Um, Can it be healthy for the child to get angry? Absolutely. Because yeah. of what I just said. Instead of going numb, I mean, if you get a child that's numb, 
how do you fix that? Because they're numb. They just go numb on you. Yeah, that's a that's a big challenge, and it's a spot where therapy comes into into play and can really help with that. But yeah, it's healthy for them to experience that whole range of emotion. I mean, that's part of the grief process, right? Right. And they have suffered extreme loss, and they need mm-hmm. to grieve that loss. Yeah. And so anger um, is part of that process. Yeah. So if they do get angry, you know, don't think you're a failure. You might actually be doing everything right at this point because they're thinking of maybe what they've lost out on. They're thinking of, I mean, it, it, being angry about certain things is going to be a normal part of a process of healing. Yes. But somebody needs to be there to get angry at. Yes. So sometimes it's you. Yeah. And it's very often you because you are the safe person and that's who they can get angry with and not be afraid that they're going to suffer for it. Yeah. You know, let, let me throw a story at you again because I'm a story guy. You know, when I, my mom was um, in a nursing facility and she had suffered many strokes and really to everyone in that facility, she was very nice except for me. Mm-hmm. And the nurses and my wife and everybody noticed when I go in there, she unloaded. And I was getting discouraged. I mean, I really was. I thought, Mom, I'm the one that takes care of you. Mm-hmm. What in the world do I get it for? Mm-hmm. One day when I was walking out, a nurse grabbed me and just said, Dave, you're the only one she trusts. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're the one you come in, she's got to unload. You're, you're the one she... You can see she's nice to everybody else. I mean, basically, she doesn't feel comfortable with everybody else. But with yeah. you, she tells you what she's thinking. Yeah. And, and the nurse was, I, I so appreciated her as a nurse because I was frustrated. I felt like, I, you know, I don't want to come back here. Yeah. Well, that's like abandoning foster care at that point. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, what if you're just on the cusp of it working? Yeah. And one of the advantages you had there with your mom was that she could tell you what she was thinking. Yeah. A lot of these kids either are too young or they don't have the words to be able to do that. So it's going to come out in their behavior instead. And so that's one of the challenges that you encounter as a foster parent is, okay, this is the behavior. What is behind that behavior? And um, really looking at it as not what's wrong with this kid, but what happened to this kid. Yeah. And how can we help them work through that? Yeah. Especially, I, w- I would assume they think it's all normal because that's the only thing they know. Yeah. And Correct. it's really survival instinct. Right. I mean, that's what it, what it comes down to. I mean, I could shock you by saying, as a kid, you know, I never saw abuse. I never got beat up. I, I, I was in a safe place. So, you, I honestly, the first time I heard someone else not doing well, I thought, oh, shock. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. my normal wasn't there. Right. My normal was over here, totally different, mm-hmm. with parents who actually loved God, who actually loved their kids, who actually supplied our needs. You know what I mean? I, I never had fear at home. Mm-hmm. So the first time I heard a kid did, I thought, weird. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we're talking to a crowd out there that could be like me. Yeah. And... I guess one of the things that surprised me, too, when I started learning more about this was that a lot of these kids are coming from an environment that we would call chaotic. Yeah. And that's their normal. And so when you remove that from them, 
or remove them from that environment, they're going into a new environment where, you know, everything's predictable and or we try to keep it predictable and consistent and stuff. And they don't know how to deal with that because they're coming from this environment where chaos is all they know. And so they're going to come into your home and say, I need normal. And so they're going to create chaos so that it feels normal. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and that alone can help somebody as they're thinking through it themselves and feeling like a total failure because they come in and they, there's chaos in the home. Mm-hmm. But that's the only thing they know how to deal with. Yeah. What if somebody comes to you like myself and you're, talking about this and I go well they just need to learn to you know tough it out I mean what would you say to me on that these kids just need to learn that's the way life is it's it can be tough they need to get tough I would say that's the entirely wrong mindset to have (laughs) I I would agree I'm I'm playing a devil's advocate here because I would think there are people that think all they got to do is learn to you know you know just tell somebody Tell somebody at school, tell a police officer, mm-hmm. get out of the situation, don't put up with it. Why do kids put up with it in the first place? Because a lot of times you don't get them on day one of a problem. No. no. So why do they put up with it? Well, for one, many of them don't know anything different, and so they don't know that this is wrong, and it's not the way it's supposed to be. Um, another factor can be that their kids and every kid loves their parent no matter how badly that parent treats them there is that innate longing and desire to be with that parent and so if they know that they tell someone and it's gonna you know jeopardize their ability to stay with their parent they might put up with that abuse just so that they can be with that parent even though it's not a healthy place for them to be they love their parents. Yeah. And the known is usually better than the unknown for everybody involved, right? Mm-hmm. Because they know what the situation is at home. Um, when they come to your house, Mike, uh, you're, you and your wife are not as young as Elizabeth. Um, is that, do they respond to the fact that you're more grandfatherly than young? Uh, yeah, it's different. It's a different relationship. Um, <clears throat> because they're on respite care. Um, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, there's two things that happen. Some come, come to us and say it, their attitude is just another home I'm going to. If they've been bounced around yeah. in different placements, it's just like, this is just another home. And they can immediately throw a switch and just walk in like they've, they've been there for months. You know, the others, um, you know, show up and um, they're very distraught. They're upset about the change because they were with a foster family. And all of a sudden now a different, am I losing where I was at? Uh, all my stuff is over at that house. <laughs> what, you know, what is going on? So they, they struggle in that area. I think uh, what my wife and I do when we deal with the foster kids, and again, especially the kids that, uh, the foster children that my daughter has in her home, they're more long-term, obviously. We just do respite. But, um, you know, we look at, when we look at the scriptures, we see very clearly that, uh, you know, Romans 12, the mind can be renewed. Uh, Ephesians 4, you can put off the old self and put on the new self. We see this hope that, that, these, that somehow we want to instill in these kids. And when you understand they've come from this, uh, these environments that uh, really the number one thing that, that we find that they deal with is that they've been rejected. I don't know how many times. And, um, you know, if Satan could have his way, he'd have each and every one of us feel rejected yeah. because he was thrown out of heaven. 
uh, you know, cast down to the earth. And so he wants everyone to feel just as rejected as he felt. And uh, through this process, then we started looking in uh, to, okay, what is the biblical standards here that we need to hold to? Um, you know, if, if the mind could be renewed and the old self could be put off and a new self could be put on, how does that work? Yeah. And so really <clears throat> what we dig into then is the, we, we found, I landed in the book of Ephesians and started looking at Ephesians and how Paul lays out. It's a great place to learn what the church should be. Oh, exactly. But he, fought, you know, he calls them spiritual blessings, right. chapter 1, verse 3. And there you find, you find the adoption, you find acceptance, you find part of a, you're part of a family. Uh, you've been forgiven, you've been redeemed, you're new, you're different. He starts out there, then he moves into chapter 2. He talks about how this is given to us by grace. And, uh, and so and where does this happen? Uh, again, it happens in the, in the heart. And, uh, and he, even chapter 1, he talks about the eyes of the heart being opened or enlightened, I believe he wor- uses, to be able to see these truths that are, that are true for us. Yeah. And then he moves in chapter 3 where he talks about the best, the, this mystery that we as, um, we as uh, Gentiles have the same promises that, to us that the, that the Jews had. And he talks, so these are all true to us also. And he gives that big prayer at the end of chapter 3 about what love is. Yeah. And uh, goes from there. And you go through in chapter 4, then it's about putting off the old self, putting on the new. He has this whole process of doing it, and it's all done, summed up by faith. Yeah. You, you, know, you know what's interesting? As you talk there, I keep thinking, okay, what, what kids need? Because you don't, as an old teacher, your words are interesting, but it's not going to change a life. What changes right. a life is a model. Mm-hmm. Oh. If I live right, they can't refute that. You know, they can refute, yeah, I care for you, whatever. Okay, what they need to do in, in a broken family, and all these foster kids, most of them, I would say, come from broken families. There could be a car wreck somewhere and a child without parents. It could be a different situation, actually, mm-hmm. where they never were actually abused by their parents. That's possible. It's not the normal. Yeah. It certainly would be possible. But what they need is a model. I don't care if college kids come to Nicolay Bible Institute and they've come from a home that's broken, what they need to is go see one that's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we do. Don't be afraid as a believer to, to live in a way that demonstrates that you love God. And that's, that's what we need. Not, we don't need a lecture yeah. for the kids. We need people to act a certain way. Let me give yeah. you a story, okay? Uh, one little guy that uh, you know, came, into our, uh, came into my daughter's family, uh, okay, for a long term, um, you know, care situation. You know, he'd come over to the house, and uh, and we had somebody had to be with him all the time. He just walked to everything and destroy everything he found. Yep. He'd knock things off the shelf just to knock them off and walk away. And he just destroy, destroy, destroy everything that he did. And we started seeing this. We how can we how can we help this young man? You know, he's only three years old. You know, trying to to stop destroying everything he touches. You know, type of deal. But when you start picking him up and just holding him and, uh, and you just look him right in the eye and say, you're a good boy, first of all, they don't believe you. Mm-hmm. They've never been told that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is why they do what they do is because they've been told they're bad. They're no good. But you keep telling them that. And you keep telling them that. You keep telling them that. And you, you know, even though you did that, you know, I, I still want you here. Yep. You know, I, and, this whole th- and pretty soon you start seeing the behavior towards towards me started to change. Mm-hmm. I walk in the room, all of a sudden, you know, 
he wasn't destroying things. Yeah. And why is that? And finally, I figured out, well, it's because of what I'm doing. I'm just going back then to Ephesians 1, telling him everything that Paul told us that we are in Christ. Yeah. And we just do that to them. And, and it's, it's, yeah, really, it's the really modeling. Cool. And, and yeah. what I've said so often is I think part of the problem the world has and even the church has is that somehow we use what we should love and we love what we should use. Uh, and, yeah. and if we can adjust that, you know, if we love what we should love mm-hmm. and we use what we should use, we should use our resources, our talents, and our abilities to show people who Christ is. That, that's what we should use, not love. You don't love your resources. You don't love your talent. You don't yeah. love your home. Those are things you use. Mm-hmm. You never use a child. Yeah. You love a child. You don't yeah. use God. You love God. That, that's different. You don't use. Yep. Love is not used. And these kids are used to being used, and we need models. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the Wolf River Refuge, we're trying to develop this place. What do we need to get this really moving? Um, either one of you can answer. But what do we need now? Because we're, it's a dream. We have about four minutes left, three minutes left here. What do we need from people that are listening to help us get this going? Well, we're getting started with, uh, you know, Wolf River Refuge. Uh, we, we need to build on an addition to the buildings down there to have uh, basically uh, a dining hall and a meeting rooms and these types of things. So we need hold. business sponsorship, people sponsorship that, that basically can say, I want to be a part of something that yeah. actually reaches out into the foster care community and makes a difference. Yeah, because we think we're on to something here when you look at this whole thing and how many children can be affected by the church. Right. And we want to be a catalyst to make that happen. So we want to partner with churches. We want to partner with the business community. We want to partner with any donors out there who want to say, yes, we want to make this happen and help you make this happen. Because we got talent. We got Elizabeth here. We got other people that could do this thing. And so, uh, so there's things that could be done. And uh, we just need helpers to come along. Yeah. You know, in Silver Birch Ranch since 1968, is specialized in working with churches. That's yeah. what we do. Yep. So the, as far as the experience and working with churches, that's something that, all right, let, let's continue to do that, do it well, but now focus on the foster care aspect of it. And the, the grounds then would be used for training. Is that what sure. we're, we're yeah. thinking? Or uh, respite? If, rest, if, if there's a foster family that just says, we just need to get away as a family for a weekend or a week, I mean, we got some beautiful cabins down there that they yeah. can come and stay in. And, and we were talking as well as just having a whole summer camp for foster kids. That's right. Over there. Yep. yep. And I would like to challenge our listeners. What I would really love to see is, is us at Silver Bird Trans get an account where any child that wants to come to camp, regular summer camp that's in the foster care system or the adoption right. have been adopted, they can come for nothing. I would love to have an account where we can just pay for them because those families, we need to do everything we can to encourage them Mm-hmm. to continue to be strong. And that's one way we can do is by saying your children are so valuable to us that we would like them to come and we understand the stresses and the strains of those involved in foster care and adoption. And we want to give them, a, you know, so my goal right now, very upfront, is I want $100,000 in an account that mm-hmm. any foster kid or whether it be Nicolay Bible Institute or whether it be whatever, anyone that applies that is in the adoption or foster care system, we can pay for and just tell them to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we're not there. We don't have the backing. And so uh, not only Wolf River Refuge, but um, Silver Birch Ranch is looking forward to doing what it can to help encourage believers in the church to be what they should be. I encourage you to go to silverbirchranch.org. It's our mother organization. And you can contact Mike. You can contact Elizabeth. You can contact me. We would love to talk to you about what we're doing. And you can participate with us at any level that God puts on your heart to participate with us. 
Most of all, we'd ask you to pray for us that we have wisdom in how to do this in a nation that just seems to be floundering at times. Mm. I'm Dave Wager. This is Younger and Older, and we're coming to you from the studios of Relate365.com. Goodbye.